Hello, Lemur. Hey, Sandra. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing good. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for doing this episode with me. Um, of everybody, course. welcome to Sobremesa with Sandy. Our guest today is Lemur Montoya. He's one of my really good friends, one of my best friends, actually. We met 12 years ago, right? A long time ago, yeah. <laughs> when we were babies. I feel like. <laughs> Just itty bitty babies. <laughs> I know. It's crazy. I, I mean, because I was my senior year in college. No, yeah, my senior year in college when we met. I, was it your senior year? Was it your junior year? Yeah, no, it was my senior year. Yeah, and I, it was like random though. Do you remember? Remember we went to, um, we met at it was Applebee's. At a, yes, at a birthday at party. <laughs> uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> we met up for a birthday dinner. I didn't know anyone when I went. Honestly, what I remember most of that night is that obviously we were sitting there talking mm-hmm. forever. We had our own little sobre yeah. mesa. <laughs> We ended up getting kicked out. We were in the parking lot and we just started dancing. (laughs) Oh my God. We were always like back then we were always dancing everywhere. Like in Denny's, remember after like the dances, we'd go to Denny's, get food and then like dance at Denny's or dance at the fucking, um, oh, sorry. I don't know if I'm supposed to swear. You're good. Dance at like the taco shops when they play music or wherever. Like we were always, we are like, I mean, obviously we've always loved dancing and everything, but we were like obsessed of like. Anywhere we went, like if there was like bachata or salsa or whatever, we were just we were dancing. <laughs> I know. Man. Now we're now we're all oh, old. Don't remind me. <laughs> <laughs> we're geriatric millennials. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, uh, I'm gonna hold on to the youth. <laughs> oh God! Well, good times. Um. So much has happened in 12 years. And fun fact, Lemur actually married my husband and I in 2018. So I, I officiated. Yeah. Yes, yeah. officiated. <laughs> Little known fact, Sandra, Jeff, and I are in a thruple. We all got married. No, just... Oh my gosh, for real. <laughs> but yeah, a wonderful memory that we'll always remember. And thank you for that. <laughs> Of course, yeah. Well, let's jump into it. Yeah, of course. So, Lemur, like I said, amazing person. Uh, He went to BYU. BYU. Yep, for my undergrad. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's, for people who don't know, that is a Mormon university in Provo, Utah. And then where you also got your MBA, correct? Mm -hmm. Yep, I got my MBA at the U, so University of Utah. You know, much better. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, honestly, what at this point in my life, I'm like, whatever. <laughs> Much better atmosphere, though, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, for sure. Yeah, we'll definitely touch on that too. But um, Lemur is Mexican, and mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about your family and where you were raised. Yeah, so I, so both of my parents are Mexican. My mom is from Veracruz, and then my dad's from Hermosillo in Sonora. And um, so I was born in Tucson. Um, We were there for only a couple months and then we moved to Mexico City. So then lived in Mexico City um, up until the time. I mean, I was still fairly young. I I think I was like six when we moved 
to Provo, actually. Um, my dad did his MBA there and at BYU, which is why I went to BYU is because like, you know, the whole family tradition thing. Um, and then after that, we moved to Arizona. And that's kind of where I grew up was in Arizona. Um, and I did like the majority of elementary school, junior high, high school uh, before moving back to Utah for college. And what is your family dynamic yet? Like how many siblings do you have? Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so I have two brothers and two sisters. I am the second youngest. I just have one younger sister um, and then everyone else is older. You're you're kind of not quite in the middle, but there, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel, I honestly feel like I'm more of like a younger sibling than a middle sibling. Like my two, like my, my brother, that's just, um, he's what, three years older than me. And then my sister, that's four years older. Like they definitely feel like the middle siblings. And like my oldest brother is definitely the oldest brother. And well, yeah, then, he's oldest, no? Right, right. <laughs> yeah. But he like, I mean, there's that that vibe. I don't know. Because sometimes I feel like there's there's a sibling that will like kind of take, be like that, like, not leader, but just like that, you know, pusher, I guess. And yeah. like has that like oldest sibling vibe. Why, why did it, when you said pusher, it reminds me of, uh, what is it, Mean Girls? With the teachers, like I'm a pusher. <laughs> Say like you know, she was pushing uh, drugs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Oh goodness. Um, so I mean, there's just been so much that has happened and changed in your life in mm-hmm. the last I don't know how many years now, right? But I mean, yeah, I can't. <laughs> You're like it's Ten? all a, it's all a blur now. <laughs> yeah, literally though. But I know that. I mean, an- another thing we both share is we were both Mormon, <laughs> right? We we're both Mormon. <laughs> yep. H- hence the BYU. Yes. Coming out here in the first place. <laughs> yeah, thank goodness I didn't go, actually. <laughs> now looking yeah. back, <laughs> like, who dodged that bullet? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, but, it's an experience. Like like you were saying, your family, it was kind of like a tradition, tradition kind of generational. Like, who converted into Mormonism that you know, cause your parents and you to, to be part of the church. Yeah. So on on my mom's side, my mom got baptized when she was 13. So she converted to Mormonism when she was 13. And then on my dad's side, um, we actually have like several generations where my great, great grandfather was a martyr for the church. Um, and so on my dad's side, like he, you know, he's like early member of the Mormon church in Mexico, like he got killed because of it. And so for several generations on that side, you know, there's like that faith tradition, if you will, um, of Mormonism. Um, and even, go ahead. I was going to say, yeah, even so much so that like my grandma, um, went on a mission, which, you know, for those who like might not know for women, at that time is like extremely rare. Like I actually don't know, really know of any other woman at that time that would like also served a mission, um, especially in Mexico. Like it, it's a pretty rare thing where like now I think it's a lot more common. I mean, definitely a lot more common and probably even just like normal that, you know, young women or whatever go on missions. But back then it was definitely rare. 
I don't think I knew those details about your family. Yeah. I knew there was a few people down the line that were members, but I didn't know all those details, which is pretty cool in general. Like, right, mm-hmm. they're, they're part of, like, a history and things like that. Right. I mean, it was a huge part of y'all's life. but mm-hmm. For um, sure. Yeah, for people who don't know anything about Mormonism, typically guys at age 18 go on a mission. And they yeah. serve and for was, two years. It was 19 when I went. Oh, that's true. They mm-hmm. did yeah, change they changed that. it. Yep. And then, like you said, women, it wasn't common. It was pretty much if you weren't married, by the time you were like 24, 25, they're like, go on a mission. <laughs> yeah, I think women, I'm trying to remember, I think it used to be 21. You had to be 21, but it was like a whole like process of like, well, are you sure you want to go because you could still get married and blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Like women were definitely not like... I would say they were actively discouraged from going on a mission. And obviously, I'm not a woman, so I can't, like, speak. They're like, let me tell you my experience. (laughs) (laughs) But from my friends who, you know, who did go or, you know, friends who I had, like, at that time of my life and, like, that period when they were going, like, um, that was definitely a thing, at least where I was. Yeah. I mean, this is a topic for another episode, but actually... (laughs) applied to go on a mission and got I remember I remember yeah oh that'll be a nice little topic (laughs) for another episode Uh, again uh the Mormon church kind of engulfs your whole life so for other people that are in very in deep into their religion whether you're Christian or Catholic it pretty much takes over your life you Mm -hmm. eat breathe live the church and it influences absolutely everything uh, do you think there was specific things that were in your parents, like parenting and lifestyle for you growing up that was heavily influenced by the church? Oh, I, everything. I mean, I mean, like you said, like the church engulfs your life when you're like, if you're a part of it, if you're like very like believing in whatever, because um, it's like a very orthodox church, um, you know, like very strict on the rules and the things you have to you're supposed to do and not supposed to do um but then also it's it, like you said like it just engulfs it like there's you know it's not just like going to church on sunday and that's it like you yeah you go to church on sunday for three hours or you did back then for three hours um but then also like if you were in any sort of like position of like quote-unquote leadership of like you know being what they call like a bishop or in the bishopric, which other churches would be like a minister or whatnot, or like any sort of position like that, where you kind of led people or taught things like you would have meetings before church and then meetings after church. And so like my dad was in a lot of those positions. And so he, on Sundays, I mean, I feel like a lot of times he would be gone, you know, the majority of the day, right. in in church meetings, but then it's like Monday night, you have family home evening where you, you know, you learn about more about the church with your family. And then you have mutual on Wednesday, which is like youth group. And then you would have like activities, you know, on Saturday sometimes or ward activities or, you know, like Boy Scout activities or whatever. Like it's just, yeah, definitely very much a part of your daily life. We read the scriptures every morning. We prayed every morning at night. Like, it was a whole thing for sure. <laughs> isn't it isn't it funny though where I mean most religions, but especially Mormon LDS <laughs> is so focused in family, yet people end up kind of neglecting their family and just being in activity after activity. 
at church and then you're kind of looked down upon when you don't go. Yeah. And you're like, uh, I got to work. I got kids. Yeah. I mean, I think it's definitely like it causes this, like it causes people to want to be perfect, I guess, which like, I mean, I guess everything, but it just, it causes like people to put on this show, I guess is what I'm trying to say of like, yeah, like, oh yeah, I spend all this time with my family and I go to all these meetings and these activities and I do X, Y, and Z and I'm, you know, perfect and happy all the time. And like, and like you said, I feel like that causes like, you know, it causes you to ne- neglect your family sometimes because you're like, you know, parents, especially parents, like single parents or, you know, people who are like struggling to make a living, like they're working long hours to make ends meet. And then they're also going to these church things. And then they're being asked to attend all these other meetings and all these other things where it's like, yeah, like when is the time to actually spend with your family and like relax and enjoy life, right? Not just doing something with your family. It's exhausting, yeah. yo. Like, I remember I had a few leadership positions and I was like, back then you're so like brainwashed and you're like, oh my God, my life is great. Yeah. <laughs> and then you look back, you're like, what the fuck was I thinking? <laughs> well, and I mean, and I, the way I view it, I'm like, you, like you were in it, right? And so you're like happy and you like, but it's like, you stay... I feel like it causes people to think that they're happy by being busy, which some people might be, right? Like some people like having a lot, like I, I mean, I, I certainly like having stuff going on and do a lot of stuff, but like, I don't know. There's a lot to be said of just like relaxing, chilling, having downtime, like having quiet time or whatever. And the church doesn't allow for a lot of that. I think sometimes with the dynamics of it. I mean, that is going to be another topic, too, because, man, (laughs) just life, like, it's a completely different world Mm -hmm. being a member of the church. And I'm sure in most religions, too, if if it engulfs your whole life, like, there's a huge difference between being in and out of the church. But um, aside from Mormonism, your culture, I especially with Hispanic Latino culture, there's a lot of traditions and uh, ideals and or ideologies that are, you know, not the greatest. Yeah. <laughs> but how did those two things kind of affect maybe the communication between like you and your parents? Like, were they open? Like, were, were you able to like go to them and talk to them about whatever was going on in your life? I mean, yeah, I think... I don't know, like, it's, I yes and no, right? Like, I definitely, my relationship with my parents was always really good. And, you know, I always knew, like, they really loved me and cared about me. And, you know, I always trusted them. And, and I was always very open with them. And I feel like, in general, they were very open with me. But at the same time, with, like, I think, like, the Latin community and, like, Mormonism, like, there are certain you you again it's kind of like putting on that show sometimes and like i don't think my parents ever met like purposely did it or anything like that but i think there was definitely that separation of like there's some more taboo subjects and things we don't talk about and like i don't know i feel like all families have their like you know dysfunction and whatever but like 
there's stuff in my family like my uncle one of my uncles having a second family that I didn't know about until high school right like I didn't know about these things until I was like I I was old (laughs) like old enough to understand what was happening but like no one told me about it or we didn't speak about it and like I had these cousins who I were my cousins but I didn't know exactly why or how and they like just show started showing up one day you know what I mean I don't know so it's like so like yes I trusted my parents and yes we were open and a lot but at the same time I think both the like Hispanic culture and the religious culture like suppressed some topics and like those like taboo subjects uh, like what would be an example of something that you would be able to go to your your parents and be like hey yo I'm struggling or you know this is on my mind yeah I mean like if I were sad or if like you know if someone at school had you know was if I was having problems like with a person at school or, or whatever friends or um or at church or whatever you know what I mean like I was like more than comfortable and like going to my parents for that and like knowing that they were there to support me so is it safe to say kind of a little bit more like day-to-day surface like oh someone hurt my feelings or I'm struggling with this like maybe more on the surface level or would you say that you can go into like deeper things with them I mean I think I don't know, because I I don't think those things are surface level, right? Like, because, like, yeah, like, someone hurting your feelings, like, I mean, you know, it's different if it's, like, oh, yeah, like, someone called me whatever, um, or, you know what I mean, like, when you're younger, but then when you're, as you're older, of, like, oh, yeah, like, uh, you know, I'm, whatever, struggling with this with a friend or, you know, whatever the case might be, like, I feel lonely, I feel sad, I feel depressed, like, you know what I mean? Those things run deeper. And so you're right. Yeah, I guess maybe that was like the wrong wording. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess what I, what I was trying to say is more um, probably topics that were maybe more life changing or or a, that would determine how you lived your life. I, I just think there's a, there's like an area and I think this is really common with parents or like in general, for the most part, it's just like there's just parts of life that are uncomfortable to talk about, you know what I mean? That are taboo, like sex, sexuality, like, you know, even within faith, like talking about the fringes of faith and like questions and doubts and like all these things. And I think I absolutely could have talked to my parents about any of those things. And, and, you know, we would have had a conversation, they would have supported me, like talked me through whatever, I don't know, like, I, I absolutely feel like my parents would have been there for me. But at the same time, I think like just culture in general, right, like, again, coming from like, the Hispanic identity and community, but then also from the religious, like, there's just those taboo subjects that you just don't talk about, or you just don't approach as well. And, and my parents, you know, did talk to like, very basic things about all of that kind of stuff like racism and whatever and we you know there's some things we talk about more of than others but yeah there's definitely stuff that you just don't approach as much and you don't go as deep into 
for sure. So with you, it, it seems like there was a pretty good balance then. Like there, there was a good sense of openness where you could come to them. It wasn't like you were completely closed off and like did your own mm-hmm. thing. Like there was still a, a good trust and comfort. Yeah. I mean, for sure. I, I think and maybe with my siblings, you know, they might think differently, but at least for me, with my parents, I did feel like that trust and that openness. Um, but again, there was definitely that like palpable uncomfortableness with certain like more sticky subjects or taboo subjects or whatever. Yeah. And then as far as, as far as like um, your relationship with your sibling, do you think that made it, maybe caused issues the fact that maybe you felt more comfortable talking to your parents than they did i mean yes in a certain way i think it was more and we and we like me and my siblings talk about this like pretty openly and a lot more but like it's just the way my parents raised us was different and i feel like i've seen this with all of my friends and like you know like with other people that i know that have you know that are older and had children and like whatever's going to grow up. It's like when your when parents first have their first kids, they're completely different and they raise them completely different than when they raise the younger kids. And so that's why I feel like I'm the younger, like on. I'm not a middle child. I'm more of a younger child because me and my little sister were raised more similarly than my other siblings were okay so your siblings are on the same page as me because yeah. <laughs> growing up it was me and my three younger brothers mm-hmm. and the way they raised me was a hundred percent different than my brothers the yep. culture the religion the machismo the double standards that yeah man you name and that's it. <laughs> like so my oldest sister like you know her she she's kind of mentioned some things where like i like i didn't realize at all but that like machismo that obviously like my dad i mean both of my parents i think they're they're amazing wonderful people but obviously we all have our biases and our blind spots and whatever and it's like there's things that my older sister like calls out that like i had no idea you know what i mean or even noticed or even experienced and it's just like it's crazy to me because it's just like i don't know like her talking about it i'm like oh yeah like that is like a little fucked up or that is, you know what I mean? Like I can see that, but like I, you know, until she said some things like I didn't even re- realize it or think about it. And so, yeah. 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 I mean, it's nice now. I mean, it would have been nicer to be able to talk about those things at a younger age. Absolutely. Yeah. As millennials, um, as children of immigrants, uh, like all of those things play a huge <laughs> role in in our upbringing but also now as adults we're truly trying to change things in the dynamic between our relationships not just like with our family but like with friends and even coworkers. we're trying to break these generational traumas and cycles yeah. and talk about mental health and we're we're trying to rehash our past <laughs> and at the same time trying to change the patterns like moving forward right yeah. and it's it's exhausting, you know, yeah. <laughs> but this is like a perfect segue into um, 
some of the things that you probably didn't get to talk to your parents about. Um, I know for me, like sexuality or being comfortable with your body, just sex in general, we would never talk yeah, about that. Same. Like culturally as being like a girl surrounded by my siblings, my brothers, um, and then you add religion on top of that. I was petrified to even think about sex. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it's kind of the same, absolutely same where it's like, it was such a, and like, yes, we talk about it sometimes, but it was definitely like an uncomfortable subject. It was definitely a taboo subject. Like we, yeah, there was things like, you know, I would have never asked my parents about like, what's a boner? What does masturbating mean? You know, <laughs> Like those things where it's like, I would never have asked them that or whatever. And, and I mean, to be fair, I think most kids don't, right? Like yeah. most kids talk to their friends, like ask their friends about that stuff. But even just like more deep or personal of like, oh, what are these feelings that I'm having or what am I experiencing? I don't know. Like it was, yeah, it's definitely, I mean, especially because of Mormonism, like sex is a very like shame driven or like it's it's viewed sex is viewed in a very like shame perspective it's not meant to be enjoyable right right well it's like the only reason you have sex basically is when you're married and it's to have kids basically i mean really that's what i was taught growing up right and maybe that was unintentional of those people but that really i think is the message that i got and i think for most like Mormon kids growing up, that's the message that they understand. Oh, I agree. And even if we, I mean, I converted, like my family converted to Mormonism when I was 13. So like 2001. Um, and even before that, just, I mean, we were Catholic by like tradition. We wouldn't mm -hmm. really go to church, but even just culturally and like socially in our environment, especially for a woman, like you are not even leaving the house until you get married. Yeah. Um, but then you add the layer of religion. I mean, we'll have to talk about these <laughs> very odd yeah. scary stories <laughs> that people experience, like on their honeymoon, you know, their first night together. Yeah. It's like end up in the ER. <laughs> and have no, yeah, I have no idea what <laughs> is even going on. It was at this moment that she knew she fucked up. Okay. Uh, well, as those of you that may notice <laughs> the audio difference, there definitely is. We had some technical difficulties, but that is the journey of starting a <laughs> podcast and not being the most techie person <laughs> on earth. Um, but we're ready to start off where we left off. Um, today I am drinking Cafe Nero from Boston. I'm here for a few weeks. Lemur, you're not caffeinated today? No, not today. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. It's a busy morning. Um, but anywho, um, we left off talking about your upbringing and uh, your family dynamic, and we were just getting into uh, sexuality and how uh, taboo that is in our culture and especially in the religion that we grew up in. Um, so let's hop into it. Uh, Lemur, how do you identify? Yeah, I identify as gay. And 
as far as your journey goes, where in your life and your upbringing did you start questioning or did you realize like this is who I am and was did, were you able to communicate that to your parents? I think I always like felt different. I mean, it's I think that's a common story for a lot of people, but yeah, like kind of always felt different. Um, and honestly, it wasn't until high school where I really kind of realized that I was gay. Well, and at first I didn't even realize I was gay. At first I thought, you know, like, oh, I was bisexual. Because I did, you know, when I was little, had like crushes on girls or whatever. But it wasn't until high school that I was like questioning, I think was more, more of it. Um, but yeah, I never, definitely never talked to my parents about it. It was not, I mean, like we, like we kind of talked about before, I think that was definitely one of those subjects that you kind of don't talk about, don't really, you know, like bring up. Did you feel that it was maybe evenly dispersed between the culture and the religion or is there, or was there one that you think was more of an influence or concern as far as being able to talk about that? I would probably say religion. I think that's probably more of like where that would come from on that particular subject. That makes sense, especially where you do have family that goes back generations in the church. So that's kind of more ingrained. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That totally makes sense. And we did talk about missions uh, earlier and how that's a big milestone or step, especially in a young man's life in the church. Mm -hmm. How did that play a role in you deciding to go on a mission? Uh, how did that complicate things as far as being able to go through the process about going on a mission? Um, I wouldn't say it really impacted it at all, honestly. Like at that point in my life, I was very like believing in, you know, the religion, believing in like the teachings and whatnot. And so for me, like when it came kind of to that point in my life, like it was like, you know, I knew I was going to do it. I knew I was going to go. I, up until that point in my life, I mean, and even until I really returned from my mission, I had never thought about like my sexuality that deep. Other than knowing that I was different. Wow. And I think, yeah, and I think in some ways it was probably like a coping mechanism, you know, just like kind of knowing like, like, oh, you know, within like the Mormon church or whatever, like being gay is wrong or being, you know, being with another man or whatever. And so, yeah, I, so I'd never, I don't think I'd ever really necessarily like even let myself think about that um, prior to definitely prior to so you know it wasn't a uh, like a block for me to go um but yeah but even it wasn't until I think I came back that that kind of started coming up more for me definitely I can see where it is like a coping mechanism like suppressing those feelings especially where there's a mm -hmm. lot of shame associated with any topic related to sex or sexuality um yeah also seeing it as like a sin 
um, that any type of sa- uh, same sex attraction is a sin and a burden and a uh, um, something that you have to go through in this life and and overcome per se. Yeah, and well, and and with that, like one of the things that I think is like interesting or is just different is the perspective on it now versus when we were younger and like when I was kind of going through that because now the church is quote unquote more accepting of of that and it's no longer like having attraction to men or whatever or to women if you're a woman or whatever it's not a sin like they don't consider it a sin anymore or whatever but back when we were younger and like not only was it was like the teaching where the teaching is different where it, it definitely I don't think anyone ever said it outright but it definitely was like considered bad to be feeling that sort of feeling but also just the culture of like if people weren't accepting of it yeah Uh, i had several friends that over the years as we were older and getting to know their journey and people that i had no idea that they were gay or bi or even trans uh they've shared their stories and that in our time, you know, 2004, 2005, end of high school, they did share that with their families or their leadership in their church. And they actually were, in a sense, pressured to do conversion therapy. And how extremely damaging that is, um, especially when your family's also a participant in encouraging you to do that. I can only imagine the trauma that that has caused. It's heartbreaking that someone would have to go through something like that and really feel like there's something completely wrong with them and they have to quote unquote fix it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So it it definitely is interesting to also see the stance in the church, the church's stance changing. Yeah, well, and it's not, and and like I said, like, not even just the, like, the the church itself, but then also just the people and the acceptance part of, like, because now you have, like, especially, like, now, like, the younger Gen Z, whatever, you know, church members who, like, if their friend comes out gay or whatever, like, they're super supporting and they'll, like, you know, go, um, like, walk in, you know, the pride parade with them or whatever, like, go to, you know, like, way more supporting inviting loving whatever we're like back when we were younger like if i mean obviously i don't know for a fact because you know this is looking into the past but i truly do believe like if i had come out back then to friends or whatever i most of the mormon people probably would not have continued to be my friend or to, to like be as close to me um, there definitely would have been like a block there for sure, where I don't know that that's the case anymore. Yeah, I think you can definitely tell kind of the type of friends you have and who would be more open-minded, open-minded and understanding and just really willing to hear you and understand you and just love you for who you are. 
I think deep mm-hmm. down we know who those people are. Um, and as we go through our life, it's interesting to see those people that aren't genuine kind of trickle out, like fizzle out of your life. Right. Yeah. yeah. Especially when we're, we're starting to be more uh, genuine of being ourselves and truly living in that. Right. Yeah. Um, as far as you mentioned that you really didn't start uh, looking deeper into those emotions and who you were until after your mission. Was there a specific time after that where you really said, OK, I need to figure out who I am? Not really. Not for me. I mean, so I like came home for my mission and then went to BYU right after. I think we had mentioned if we hadn't, but went to went to BYU, that's where you and I met. And I so I had already done a year prior to my mission of BYU. So I had three years left afterwards. And coming back still very believing i i guess that was kind of the first instance of me really kind of starting to look deeper and not even that deeply but just because like i mean you know once once you're at byu and like especially like for a guy once you're back from your mission like you're there to get married right and honestly that's like what basically all the interactions you have with anyone at byu is supposed to be for is to get married when I was, when I got back and I was just like, uh, like, that's kind of where I was like, like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know that I want to do this. Like what's <laughs> happening. And it was hard and it was lonely. And cause you know, even, even though I recognized like there was something off still, like in a, in a deeper way, I was just like, I just want to be friends with people. Like, I don't understand why people don't, can't just be friends. You know what I mean? Like, Absolutely. Um, The other thing that that made me think of is how you said there's this standard of getting home from a mission and the next step that you're expected to take is marriage and starting a family. And I'm sure that, you know, that was a huge step for you of thinking like, well, do I really want that? Or how is that going to look like for me? Because I do know of several people around our age, but even older too, that because of that pressure of this is what I'm supposed to do, they did get married, they did have kids, mm-hmm. and then they they realized that they weren't being who they are, and down the line either got divorced or uh, had a completely different setup of what their family looked like. And it's so unfortunate and honestly heartbreaking too that someone one feels pressured enough to live their life completely different of what truly will make them happy but then in turn also be in a relationship where the other person also doesn't know you for who you are yeah yeah for sure i mean and i think i mean there is definitely within Mormonism, there's a big pressure to do what you're supposed to in in almost any aspect of your life, right? Like not even marriage or going on a mission or whatever. It's like, you know, even when you are married and like if you're straight or whatever and have kids, it's like there's definitely a big pressure to 
raise your kids a certain way and to do things a certain way and whatnot. And so I, in a lot of ways, I think that translates over of just like, it's with a very orthodox religion, like Mormonism is like, it is hard to be yourself regardless of who you are and what your circumstances is. It's like, it is hard to be yourself sometimes and to kind of follow your path um, because there's a lot of expectations. Oh, a hundred percent. I definitely have seen that. Like you said, outside of identity and sexuality, I have seen that pan out in so many different ways with people of creating this facade of perfection Um, And even going as far as one, hiding who they are, hiding their quote unquote mistakes to give this image of I'm perfect. I don't make any mistakes. And if I do and people notice, what are they going to say? What is going to happen in this constant fear of what everybody else is going to think? And naturally, I think we all have that. Like we kind of do worry like, oh, how do I look? What are people going to say or do? But in the church, that is magnified. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I agree. I think like my insecurities were definitely magnified like a hundredfold being in the church because I questioned everything about myself. And that's something that I've, it's taken me years to work through. And I'm sure with something as big as your identity and who you're attracted to and what your life would look like with a potential partner, that is, that has an even deeper effect, right? Yeah, no, I mean, it certainly does. And it's, yeah, I, to me, I guess it just comes back to those expectations that are put on you. And it's just, it's definitely hard to follow your own path when there's such specific expectations put on yourself by, you know, someone else, other people, by the church, whatever, whatever the case might be. Yeah, I completely agree. So as you're, you're back at BYU and you're starting to figure these things out, at what point were you able to have these conversations and either ask questions or share what your journey has been with your family or your close friends. Yeah. So I, I do think I'm, I'm a little weird or a little interesting in some ways because for me, so I, so throughout the majority of BYU still fully believing whatever in the church participating My senior year was kind of the first year where, and part of it, honestly, was the whole marriage thing within like the ward or whatever, like the congregation I was part of, of everyone's, because, you know, at BYU, you're all students, you're all, you know, in your 20s and whatnot, everyone's trying to find someone to date and whatever, and I would get to church and I'd be like, why am I here? Like, it wasn't, it was no longer a spiritual thing for me. It was like, every, no one's here to like get, you know, be spiritual or be spiritually fed or whatever. It was like, everyone's here to like be social and interact and try and date. And so for me, it kind of, my senior year at BYU was kind of like, what the hell? Like, <laughs> this isn't like, this is no longer a spiritual thing or something like that. It's just 
like a meat market, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that is the perfect analogy, honestly. <laughs> I, it's interesting that like we're seeing things in a completely different lens for different reasons, right? Mm-hmm. But that's exactly how I was seeing it too, just dealing with other mental health things. For the most part, I feel like in any religion, going to church and being around members of your same church is supposed to be a sense of a refuge, a safe place. And yeah, it, like community. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And to me, especially in those moments where I was struggling the most, I felt like a complete outsider and I felt the least safe. Yeah. And for me, that was a very deciding factor and questioning for myself of like, okay, is this really a positive thing in my life? And it's, is it helping me be genuine and happy? Um, even just for myself, yet alone for other people and relationships around me, but for myself. Yeah. And it was not looking that way for me anymore. Yeah, and no, and that's exactly how it was for me. Barely made any friends with any guys because all they wanted to do was like talk to the girls or whatever. And then <laughs> all of the girls were like, oh, they just want to like flirt and go on dates and do all of these things. And like I made friends. I, I mean... I had a lot of friends still, and I still, you know, did things and like, you know, met a lot of people like you and, you know, all of our friends and whatnot. But within that congregation, it definitely, like I said, it turned into something of like, what am I doing here? Like, what is the purpose of this? Because it certainly did not feel like it was like religion or, you know, Jesus or whatever, like it was supposed to be. And so, so that was my senior year's of college was like when I kind of realized that. And so it was that next year after college, I ended up moving to moving downtown. Um, and I actually ended up moving into this ward where it's like the majority of the people were Latino. And it was like, it, that kind of turned it around for me that year as far as the church wise, because I don't know what it was, but like, it, people there were definitely more on like, hey, like, let's all be friends. Let's do things. Let's hang. And so I kind of got brought back into that sense of like community within the church for that year. Um, and so, but still kind of question, like, so when that year, when I would go to church, I would only go to like the first hour, which was sacrament meeting, and then like Sunday school. And I'd always leave. For priesthood i never stayed for priesthood because and, and priesthood for those who don't know is like when all the men meet and i was just like this is so dumb like because again at when it got to that hour it felt like people here are so uninterested in <laughs> church and community and whatever that like it just felt like a waste of time so i would only go for the first two hours and then go home i would do the same i eventually just would go to the first hour and i was out of there yeah. And then, so then it wasn't until I went, so I, I lived out there for a year. Then I moved into my brother, went to the sport. And I just remember the first Sunday, I was just like, what am I doing here? I was like, cause kind of at that point I had kind of realized, like, I don't know that I truly believe this anymore. You know, the past year I've been going just because of this like social aspect. I no longer have that within this like congregation that I'm a part of so I, was, so I just like remember sitting there like what am I doing here and so I woke up one Sunday and it was just like well I'm not going to church anymore 
<laughs> it was just like that. It, and it honestly was just a trigger like that of like, what's the point? And I haven't, I haven't gone back since then. I, I feel like that's something that like in the back of your head, that feeling starts growing and growing, and growing. And then you don't realize it until a moment like that, where it just finally all comes together. Mm-hmm. And you're like, you know what? This is not for me. This is not what my yeah. life's going to be. It doesn't line up with who I am and how to really live life genuinely and be myself. Yeah. Right. And you just also feel like these aren't my people. Yeah. You oh, know, absolutely. that sense of, yeah. you know, and you, and you mentioned that, you know, going to an all Latino ward or congregation in Salt Lake City was completely different than your experience in Provo, where, I mean, quite honestly, majority are white. Um, I think the other difference, and correct me if I'm wrong, this was an experience I shared, is that there's also a difference between a congregation of converts versus a congregation of generational, specifically white members of the church. Um I went to church in California to an all Hispanic stake, which is a a region where majority were converts, like 95% of them were Hispanic or Latinos. And there's something about that sense of community within Latinos that regardless of where it's at, whether it's religious or at work or anywhere else, there's always a sense of inclusion. (laughs) So I think that's probably what you were feeling when you went to Salt Lake. But since there's that underline of I'm here for church, then those lines start getting blurred. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, definitely in Salt Lake, there was that sense of community and that sense of people. And and it wasn't even like because of the church, but it was just like a sense of like, hey, people, like I want to get to know you for you, regardless of whatever, like ulterior motive, you know, like dating, marriage, whatever was was going on. Whereas like at BYU, like for most of my interactions within the church and the congregation, it was always based around that for the most part. So as far as you then deciding to leave the church, you woke up and that was that, you're done. (laughs) At what point do you start sharing not just who you are, but also leaving the church with your family or friends? Mm -hmm. Or or in what order did that happen? Because I know it's different for everybody. Yeah, so once I left the church, and mind you at this point, I'm still like, questioning my sexuality I don't know that I necessarily know exactly what I am or you know what I want or whatever but um at that point like I I'd wake up decide not to church anymore and then that's when I kind of decide like okay like you should let yourself figure out like kind of what you're saying you know figure out who you are and so at that point I downloaded tinder of course and I, <laughs> <laughs> I know about yeah. Tinder. <laughs> and I said it, um, I'm like, man, looking for men or whatever the option was. We're looking for other men. And I started going. I actually only went on one date with one guy that I matched with. And him and I, like, started dating. And it was, like, right at the beginning of that, because I wasn't out, but him and I kind of started dating, that I first told my first friend. Um, one of our our mutual friends and it was like it was new year's we her and i were in california she had like seen a message 
come across on my phone. And so she asked me, so her and I had this whole moment of like talking about it. And again, like mind you at this point, cause again, I mean, it's so, I was just still so not sure of myself and who I was that like, you know, at first I was like, oh yeah, like I'm bisexual. Like, because in the past I've liked girls or whatever. And right now I'm liking a guy. And so that's kind of when it first came out too. But then, and that was, like I said, at the beginning of the relationship with this guy, while I was like still more, mostly in the closet, throughout that relationship, I had still only come out to that one friend. And after him and I broke up, which we dated for like a year almost, I think it was like somewhere around 10 months. I didn't know yeah, it was that Yeah, it was long. a long time. It was a long time. Well, at, and just to interject, at this point, I didn't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It 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 was it was a while after it was that before literally, you literally literally only the one friend knew. She was the only one that knew. Mm-hmm. Um and like I even the guy even I mean seriously like good for him because I don't know that I would be up for putting up with that. We were also younger, so maybe that had something <laughs> to do with it. But like he came to my birthday and like you met him. Like, a bunch of people met him. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is my friend, blah, blah, blah. Like, total <laughs> in the closet experience. <laughs> so the crazy part is that I think it was probably even a few months after this breakup that actually I remember, I think it was like Easter. I think we had gone to like Jiffy Lube or something. <laughs> And it was close because it's Utah. And I, you just like randomly were like, yep, I'm gay. <laughs> like, obviously there was more to it, but it was more casual. And at that point, I kind of already mm-hmm. knew. I don't know. Like, I just feel like you've always been very, I mean, without saying your identity or anything like that, I feel like your personality, you were always very yourself around. Yeah. You. And so... To me, it wasn't even like this shock factor of like, oh my gosh, we were gay. What? I mean, I definitely wish that you were comfortable enough to share that with me and everybody else mm-hmm. around you, right? But we know that because of society, uh, religion, culture, all of these things, it turns into this huge ordeal when it shouldn't right. be. Right. Yeah. Right. It's not it's not an ordeal for people that are heterosexual. So why is it for everybody else? Um, have you seen that little bit, like a video of like people coming out yeah. as heterosexual? It's like a spoof. <laughs> and so, I mean, for me, it wasn't a shock. I'm like, well, to, to me, it doesn't yeah. matter. What does that have to do with well, me? <laughs> it's none of my and business. At that point, I mean, we were... I think all of our friends were mostly out of the church at that point as well. And I I mean, I think that's part of like the fear, especially like when you're first coming out is like, oh, these people who knew me in a specific context and are they still going to, you know, feel the same way about me? Are they still going to be my friend or, or whatever, you know, after um, coming out? Yeah, the fear of judgment. Well, and it's not even judgment. It's to me, at least for me, it was more rejection. Right. Like the fear of being rejected by these people that I love that might no longer feel the same way about me because I'm revealing this part of myself. Yeah, you're right. Definitely both. But I I can see where the rejection would trump all of that. Yeah. Because that's your support system. Right. And mm-hmm. this is something that is 
a huge realization for you and trying to live your best life essentially right yeah um i can i've never aside from leaving the church which even then wasn't a huge deal because only my immediate family were members i can't even imagine what that feels like in potentially risking not just relationships with family and friends but feeling this rejection all around especially living in a place like utah where majority of the people around you are mormon yeah and again only i can only speak for like myself and my experience but for me it was definitely that rejection of like the people that i love like will on some level it's like will they still love me you know and so that's kind of definitely like the hard that that was the hardest part for me um, and then as far as, um, so from there, this has been, you've dated someone, it's been a year yeah. plus. At what point are you able to share this with like your parents or your siblings? Or was there even a, a, a conversation or did it just gradually happen? Yeah. So, well, and I have to, and honestly, I, I honestly kind of forget how everything happened at this point, but I actually, so I told the one friend, and then at a certain point, I just was like, honestly, I don't give a fuck. Like, it was just like, I don't care who knows, in a sense. Um, and even with my, so, like, the guy that I was dating, like, would come over and, like, spend the night. <laughs> and I lived with my brother at this point, and I hadn't said, any, said anything to my brother. <laughs> but to me, it was just like, I don't care. I was like, I just want to live how I want to live and live my life. Um, but there was, I, the, in my family, the people that like, the two people I actually did like straight up come out to was my mom and my dad. And that was kind of a traumatic, not traumatic, but dramatic or emotional experience just because my, so my parents were on a mission in Mexico. They were doing a mission thing. And my brother had ended up getting um, testicular cancer. And he, so he had got, undergone surgery. And my mom had come out for a couple of weeks to like be with him. And it was this whole thing where it's like, we didn't know if she was going to be able to come or not. I ended up being able to come. So she was staying with us. And like one I of the first that. nights, it had been um, general conference, like the week before or something like that. And my mom was asking me, like, oh, did you watch? Did you go? Blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, I don't want to lie to her. I, again, again, at this point, like, because this was towards the end of my relationship with that guy. I think, again, I don't, I don't remember it's the all timeline a blur. as well. Yeah, but sometime at, during that point, I just got to the point where I was like, I just don't care to, like, lie or, like, hide myself necessarily anymore. And so... I kind of, I just was like straight up was like, no, I, I didn't go. I didn't watch any of it. And then her and I, and that kind of dove into this conversation of like her and I like talking and me coming out to her and then like me coming out to my dad and then my mom telling my siblings and like this whole thing. Um, but it really kind of at that point in my life, I just decided I was like, Part of it was just like, I just want to live my life. I don't want to worry about these things. And then the other part was like, kind of like, again, a little bit based on fear, but 
also based on like, I just don't want care to like make coming out this traumatic thing for me at least. Yeah. And so, or this not even traumatic, but just like this, like big deal. So that's probably why, I mean, honestly, I don't even, re- I don't remember that well when I came out to you, but that's probably why I just said it at a Jiffy Lube. You know what I mean? <laughs> 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 <'Cause> I re- <laughs> <laughs> at that point I was just like whatever like I don't care anymore so I like probably just like ca- like we're at a jiffy loop and I casually mentioned it and I was like move on with my but life but you know it was <laughs> <laughs> it, honestly though it was perfect I remember we had gone to brunch I had to get this oil change and of course forgetting that it's Sunday it was all closed but again like yeah you're right it, it shouldn't be this whole ordeal it shouldn't be as shouldn't be traumatic at all it's who you are plain and simple and some and whoever you prefer to have a a romantic relationship with with or who you're attracted to doesn't affect anybody else around them Mm -hmm. it's none of their business it's not their relationship like so it really shouldn't matter and it's interesting how people just want to make laws and all of these different things that don't affect them whatsoever i mean we see that across the board with so many things but especially when it comes to um gay rights and so i one i'm glad that you have found your people (laughs) (laughs) and me including those around you we have plenty of mutual friends we absolutely love who you are Mm, every single bit and um, I do know that you still have a, a good relationship with your parents, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when I came out to my mom first, because she was there, um, it was—I mean, yeah—it was definitely like an emotional talk, just because like my brother had like just come out of surgery, and um, we, you know, I I was kind of dropping this on her, but her—I mean, her first thing was like we love you no matter what, which obviously is like relief off of your shoulders, like, you know, and make, you know, made the whole conversation easy. But I do remember the whole conversation, like it felt like I was letting her down by coming out to her. And that was the hardest part because I love my parents so much. And, you know, like having that feeling of like letting them down is like the last thing I want. And so, um, so yeah, so it, it it was hard, but definitely um, they were very much, very loving and very much so accepting in the sense of like you know we like this is who you are. We still love you. It doesn't change anything to us, um, type of thing. And that's I think amazing that even though with their years in the church, because I know that's not the same for everybody else, right? Yeah, for sure. For for, sure. for many people in the church, they let the standards of the church and the lifestyle of the church take over. Even the feelings that they know they're feeling inside, like, oh, I love my son or I love, you know, these people in my life. But they let the church completely dictate how or who they should love and in what capacity right so -hmm. the fact that your parents even though clearly it was something they had a process that they can look past that standard that the church has and say hey this is my son i love him for who he is and the fact that 
you've been able to maintain that relationship is amazing. And I wish so many other people can share that same experience because I have heard of these terrible outcomes from things like that and in and out of the church, honestly, you know, and for many other people, it's, you know, being Catholic or all these other things that are just cultural, right? Like machismo, Mm -hmm. Jesus. Um, So that is wonderful that even even though it took you some time to get to that point that you were able to do that and now you don't have to do all this extra work to hide who you are and what you're doing in your life and you can just this is who I am and this is what it is and this is what I'm up to yeah no for sure and uh, and I mean like you said there's I I mean I know people who have had really bad experiences coming out um you know I've like read stories and whatnot and so I feel very lucky, especially for the time that I came out in, you know, and, and for like who my parents are, like, you know, not just religious, but Mexican and, you know, having this very conservative, like upbringing and whatever, like that they were very open and loving and accepting. And yeah, I feel really fortunate about that. I love that. Um, And your parents, I've met them several times and they're amazing, loving, kind people. And, um, it, it really shows right aside outside of your relationship, who they are. And mm-hmm. I mean, really that's what the church, if people are really following, <laughs> right. The fundamentals yeah. and things like that, it's, that's who you're supposed that's to love one another right. and love, <laughs> love thy neighbor. And be, yeah, exactly. Be inclusive, be loving. And it's just interesting to see things that don't align with that. And that's where I think we've questioned things uh, along mm-hmm. with so many others, but I'm so grateful that you've been able to share your experience because I'm sure there's a lot of people that haven't been able to take that step in even questioning themselves like, okay, is this really who I am? Um, Or how can I live a more genuine life? Um, How can I be truly happy and just live life how I want to without this underlining of fear or um, fear of rejection or judgment? Looking back, is there something, if you could do things all over again, is there something that you wish you could have done differently through your journey? I mean, realistically, no. Like, I'm I'm very much a believer of, like, you know, like, uh, I guess trying to be compassionate of myself of, like, understanding who I was, you know, at those different time periods in my life. So it's like, you know, when I was in high school, when I was on a mission, when I was at BYU, who I was was a believing member of the church. And so I wasn't ready to question or come out or to do any of those things. I mean, do I certainly wish like the culture had been different where I could have potentially, you know, like realized those things earlier or, you know, even just started having those questions earlier? Sure. But like at the end of the day, like, you know, we're all just trying to do our best. And I was just trying to do the best with like kind of what I knew who I was, like how I had matured up to that point. Um, And so, so yeah, so I I think in a lot of ways, I've kind of processed all of that and reconciled with that and like been okay with my journey of of kind of coming out um, 
you know, even though it's certainly a different route than other people's or, you know, definitely, I mean, I did come out a little older than, than, I don't know if a lot of people, but certainly, you know, other people. But I feel like that's common too, right? You know, like I've mentioned before, not just in this episode, but prior that, as millennials, we're kind of in this interesting, unique uh, middle ground, even just with technology and being able to communicate with the world around us. And we even saw that with the church. We saw a completely different point of view when it comes to same-sex attraction or how that was not accepted before and how now it's starting to be a little more normalized. So we're that in between of that transition, right? So Mm -hmm. there are plenty of other people that have come out at a later time in life because of that, especially in the church. Yeah. With the missions, especially with men, the missionary time, I I truly believe that there's a lot of uh, men that that's when they start questioning, right? Because now you're going on a mission where there's a lot of these prerequisites for you to go. And then you're there for two years. And mm-hmm. for many, that's the f- either the first time or around the, the first couple times they're having closer relationships or they're starting to date before and after their missions. So following that time frame of what's expected in the church, there's a lot of life-changing events that happen, right? Your mission, trying to find a partner, trying to get married, have kids. So I'm not surprised that that's when a lot of people are questioning and and decide to find out okay who am i really yeah 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 for sure for sure and and honestly that's like when you're like you know at a point where people generally kind of start maturing and start becoming adults right and so that's when you kind of start the beginning of the journey of figuring yourself out (laughs) at least for me i mean i feel like i'm still figuring myself (laughs) out (laughs) But. I think that's a continuous thing, you know, yeah. at at each time in our life and our age, I think we're always having to have that moment of reflection and our points of views change. You know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of things that I used to think back then and I look back, I'm like, right. what the, oh, how? <laughs> I mean, and, and honestly, like, I guess going back to that regret, as far, like, I don't know that I have any regrets about necessarily like my journey. I mean, what the only thing that I would regret is if I like had said or done anything to like, like hurt someone or offend someone or, you know, maybe even like put someone down because of those beliefs that I had back then that I certainly don't have anymore. Um, And like, that would be the only thing I regret is, you know, because there's certainly some instances that I can pinpoint where I did say something or do something or, you know, whatever that harmed someone because of, you know, those beliefs. But, and so definitely regret that, but then also regret like, if there were any other circumstances that I I can't think of that or can't remember that where that was the case. Like that's certainly a regret I have for sure. I'd have to agree with that for myself. There's definitely been a lot of things that I look back and it's like, man, part of it is ignorance, but the other part is also being seen 
things through this lens of religious or cultural mm-hmm. standards that you kind of force yourself and saying, but this is what I should be believing or this is what I should be standing yeah. behind. And yeah. I feel like half the time that's not who we are at heart. And we're also fighting against ourselves to say, no, but this is how it should be. I should be believing this and I should act this way. And it's unfortunate that it, it makes us say or do things that is hurtful to other people. Mm-hmm. And yeah, same. Looking back, there's things where I'm just like, man, <laughs> yeah. why did I ever say that? <laughs> um, but that's part of it, of maturing and growing up is also holding ourselves accountable to those things. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad that's something you brought up too. And so people understand that they shouldn't feel bad for feeling that way. At some point in our lives, right. we learn better. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, that's the goal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the goal. And if there's things that people still are not understanding or are questioning, I hope that they come to a place in their life where they are able to to figure those things out for themselves and not yeah. let a person or a group of people or an organization uh, dictate who they are and how they should live their lives. Yeah. But kind of to wrap things up, Lemur, I'm, again, it's been amazing hearing these details of your journey. I mean, most of them I knew, but there's even things that have come out in this chat that it's like, man, I wish I would have known, but I'm glad you're sharing them now because it's a part of who you are and of who you've become or actually who you have been. And now you're showing the world who you are, (laughs) but is there any advice? I don't know if I guess you would call it life advice or a little bit of knowledge. I like to call them golden nuggets (laughs) for our listeners or for someone that might be going through a similar situation as you, um, even if it's not rooted in sexuality and all of that, just in general of being able to share things with those around you. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like who am I to give advice? Right. But if, if there's hey. anything I can say, <laughs> you are I, wise. <laughs> <Lemur>. <laughs> no. um, I, I guess like kind of two parts. One is, find like find your people right like find those people that you can truly trust and count on and and talk to and like whether it's sexuality or whether you're you're struggling with whatever it is like you know you have family problems school problems like relationship problems whatever it's just like definitely find those friends that you can trust and count on and who can help you through the situation because you know we're not life isn't meant to be like lived alone like we're supposed to be helping each other and relying each other and finding that community within each other and so um yeah i think the best moments in my life have been shared with others and i would just encourage people to to find to you know to try and find that and try and find that you know whether it's with one person like in a relationship or a friendship, like, you know, your bestie or whatever, or whether it's, you know, a group of friends and, or your family, but like definitely find those people that you can trust and love and who trust and love you back. Um, and then just as importantly, learn, like 
do do the work for yourself, like figure out who you are and then trust yourself. See, that's amazing advice. <laughs> Listen, I don't get me wrong. There's times where I'm like, people are not going to want to hear what I have to say. But sometimes it's just a perspective, right? You might be saying the same thing as somebody else, but it's perspective and your life experiences that will speak differently to people. So yeah. as much as you think <laughs> that you don't have anything to say, you do. And it's important and people need to hear your voice. I know that. There's people that don't share the same experience. And number one, I always say that family is what you make it. Sometimes mm -hmm. they don't have to be blood related for them to yeah, be your family. Sure. And even if you get along great with your family, sometimes you just have to also find your family amongst your friends and your community. And so for those who are struggling with establishing a healthy relationship where they can openly talk about these things, um, what are some of the resources that you recommend for those that need that extra support? To be honest with you, I wish I knew more. I mean, the ones that I do know is like the Trevor Project, like especially for like coming out like you know yes. and people within that like find those you know the Trevor Project glad there's all sorts of organizations nowadays fortunately for people who are struggling with sexuality but then especially like just in 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 a general sense like there's a lot of um mental health resources out there um, and like different hotlines or websites or whatever that you can visit. And so those are, again, the Trevor Project and like the GLAD website or whatever. Like those are the ones that I, like I can think of off the top of my head, but I definitely know there's a lot out there. So, but then also just, again, like I mentioned, just find those people in your life that you can trust and they can also be a, like a, an invaluable resource in your life. Yeah, even if it's one person. Mm -hmm, I'm glad sure. you brought up the Trevor Project. That one's a, a great resource. They have crisis services, peer support, research. Um, I think they offer like public education and advocacy. So they're definitely a good yeah. uh, kind of base, like starting point where then you can find other resources that can work for you. And just yeah. look for events in your community. I found that finding a group of people that share the same beliefs or point of view, you end up finding people that just, like you said, they're your people and mm -hmm. you end up making lifetime friends out of that. And so if you guys have any questions, feel free to comment on social media, check us out, Instagram, TikTok at Sobremesa with Sandy and also in the comments on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Lemur, it's been amazing. Yeah, it has. Thank you so much for for being willing to to join me in my journey <laughs> of trying to share people's voices and their experiences. And the goal of this podcast is to be able to have conversations like this with your family, with your friends, where ideally, right, in the ideal world where you don't have to spend years of your life keeping these things to yourself, where you can have conversations with the people you love, one, so they can truly get to know you and your struggles and how they can best support you for you to feel that love um, and feel that you're not alone. Yeah, that's awesome. And if 
And if we can change that, even just by a little bit, by finding that one person that you can have those conversations with, then that's a win. Yeah, for sure. That's a win. And even if you have to start asking questions anonymously to people, even then being able to start questioning and, and finding those answers for yourself to live your best life. That's all I ask for. (laughs) (laughs) Again, Lemur, thank you so much. And everyone follow, subscribe, share. I hope you're enjoying these episodes and we'll catch you in the next Sobre Mesa. Mm -hmm.